Welcome to episode 28 of the Critical Transit Podcast. My name is Jeremy. You can find more about the show at criticaltransit.com. And on today's show, I have an excellent interview with Evan Pack from the Vulture Space. He is the founder and the director of uh, the Vulture Space, the Milwaukee Community Bicycle Project in downtown Milwaukee. By the time you're hearing this, I am in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is uh, on the Mississippi River in southeast, uh, southwestern Wisconsin, and I'm about to bike up north about 40 miles to Winona, Minnesota, right on the other side of the river, and then um, make my way further up along the river, either by bike uh, or public transit or a combination, um, depending on the weather and a bunch of other factors, and eventually going to make my way to Minneapolis uh, and St. Paul, the Twin Cities. I'm very excited for that, and I am, have reached out to a number of excellent people there. Looking forward to speaking with them about transit and bikes and, and a whole bunch of great sustainable transportation work that's being done over there. Uh, in the meantime, today I have this great interview with Evan Pack from the Vulture Space. As I said, uh, the Vulture Space is a community bike shop that is uh, in downtown Milwaukee in, in an old uh fancy shoe store or something i think um but yeah right downtown and uh they do a lot of great work with helping people fix bikes and education empowerment uh really really great absolutely wonderful work and uh, the kind of stuff that you really want to see more and more in in places all over and so uh reminds me of a lot of the work that i did at bikes not bombs in boston and uh times up in new york uh, great community oriented bike education and activist organizations and and evan has a lot of plans and ideas for the future he's a milwaukee native and he's also a frequent long-term bike tourist so we talked a little bit about bike touring the interview is a little noisy in the beginning but i think uh you know if you just sit through that if you if you have any interest in bikes whatsoever you you will probably love this interview so um you know sit back and enjoy and uh, if you like what you hear and uh I guess even if you don't, you should go to vulturespace.org and consider donating money, parts, accessories, tools, uh, anything you can. You can sign up for only $20 a year to become a member, and membership comes with uh, discounts to local businesses, and you get into the Bike Film Fest for free. So that alone right there. Um, so support this great community resource, and uh, they have a lot of exciting plans and can't do it without volunteers and money. So... Uh, vulturespace.org and uh, I'm going to play the interview and uh, put up a bunch of links to the uh, organizations that we talked about some of the, the uh, bike co-ops that we mentioned in other cities and uh, there are many others of course uh, but I'll put these links on the site as we, as we mentioned them uh, during the interview and I apologize for the audio quality but it's a busy bike shop a lot going on uh, I think you can hear it and you'll enjoy it anyway so I'm at the Vulture Space here in downtown Milwaukee, and uh, here with Evan Pack, who has created the space a little less than a year ago. So. All right. <laughs> Margo is our master locksmith. Anytime we get a lock that doesn't have a key, oh. <laughs> and I changed the combination. <laughs> she will fix it or do something with it. Yeah, I mean, the idea in this place is to get more people wheels. biking. And actually, this mall is under new management, Mid America, and they they can be they're very like business oriented. You know, they're like kind of like our lease is up, and they want to lease this for like ten times as much as what we're paying. I like bleed my heart out to what this place means to myself and to the community mainly. Like like a, like a vital resource. This is you know it's like a social service. I tell them I didn't start this to make money. You know, most that's a, they think of as a traditional business. It's to make money. This is to get more people riding bicycles and through so many so many ways um, through cost you know we take donated bikes we fix them up you can buy a bike for $30 
through education. You know, like when people fix the bikes themselves, one they learn. They're um, if you don't know how to change a flat on a bike, why would you ever ride a bike? You'd be worried that you'd be fucked if you're like five miles from home and you get a flat. You know? Teach all these basic skills, and also it's empowering when you do something yourself. You're that much more likely to, you know, ride your bike if, if you change your own brake pads or cable or something like that. Um, so through education, through cost, you know, bikes start at twenty, thirty dollars here. You know, um, even nice tune bikes that we tune up, you can get for sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred bucks. Um, so you know, cycling shouldn't be dictated upon income. Uh, here, this is a really unique area because business people walk by all the time in suits. Homeless people, there are two homeless shelters right up the way. There's a drug alcohol treatment center around the corner here. There's a literacy center. So, so many people converge here. There's all these universities. There's Mayad, Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. There's the Wisconsin Art Institute. MATC, Milwaukee Technical College. UWM, uh, MSOE, Milwaukee School of Engineering. Uh, and Marquette University. They're all within a few miles here. Most of them are within a mile. Um, so it serves a wide range. You know, and there are families too. Like kids will come in with we have the kids' bikes for them. Um, cool. So, so pretty much, you know, people come in to work on their bikes and and uh, get help fixing bikes. And, yeah, and it's all free. People can come in. They can use our work stands, our tools, the the chain lube grease. They want to redo their, I don't know, fix up their bottom bracket or something. Uh, and we'll teach people how to do it for free. We even have a bunch of maintenance books. Uh, people, if they like, they can donate. Some people donate money. Uh, they donate time, big volunteer hours, and obviously bikes and bike parts. So all these bikes here were donated, except for that one, which I got from the Boys and Girls Club. I love that bike. <laughs> uh, is that your personal bike? Yeah, that's the one. Awesome. That's one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah, and, and, and you guys have, you know, been rearranging for a while. It looks like you got you know, a, lot of, a lot of parts over there. You were showing me the number of wheels and tires that are kind of falling all over. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. This So before we had hooks over here, all of these, this was a mountain of bicycles. When the building, the, the uh, fire inspector came in, she did not, she couldn't even see there was another exit here. She thought, oh, that's her only one exit. She's like, okay, and she left. And I thought, oh my God, she didn't see it. We would have been fucked because this is an obstruction you know, before how it was with the mountain of bikes. Now we got I tried to get things off the ground. That's the most important thing. So these hooks six inches apart, turn the handlebar sideways, take the pedals off, get them all six inches apart. That seems to work. And then we've got these filing cabinets, and this works well. I saw this at the, the, uh, the hub in Minneapolis. And you got everything. You, you, you do a lot of work to get everything nicely organized so you know people can find what they need and, and uh, work independently. Countless hours. And stuff is cheap. The idea is you know, getting more people biking. It's a world of excess. You know, we, I can go, we can survive through going, by going through three bike shops garbages. You know? uh, we have, you saw, mountains of inner tubes waiting to be patched. Uh, inner tubes cost like roughly eight dollars. You know, you can get, you know, you can patch it for free. Otherwise, we patch you some for two dollars. Um, Brakes, all these things are roughly four or five bucks. You know, cables are a buck. Um, mm. A couple of new things we pay for are a little more. Like the lock is twenty, but it's a decent lock. You know. So that's how you guys bring in money is like selling parts and uh, yeah. And, bikes. and also we have a, a membership card now. Um, so the, the membership is $20 and you get a card it looks like maybe I have it's beaten up it's pretty basic you know very nice yes. um, and you get discounts around town you don't get anything extra at the shop you know but you get discounts at different local businesses so there's a place called Sobelman's Pub and Grill I used to work at on the way I know the owner you get a free type of beer or so that every time you have a uh, have a meal there. There's another bike shop up in River West, uh, Eitan Shop, truly spoken. They support us. Uh, you get 10% off any new items there. Great Lakes Distillery down the way. My, I know the owner, uh, your first drink is half price. There's a restaurant, you get 20% off. So all these deals around town, the idea is you actually save money and you bring more business to these businesses. Right. And it's also free membership or free access to the film, the Bicycle Film Festival coming up in May. So we're selling the we're selling a lot of them now. Yeah. Awesome, man! You got a lot of just you know old frames that you got donated from a bunch of different places and um, and stands and everything. It's just um, and these are all to be repurposed for the most part. These ones are they were so incomplete. 
you just know like no one's gonna fix them up you know what I mean like they're missing certain stuff it's just like forget we'll just break it down and someone will use just the frame cut it up make a wind chime out of it make a lamp I don't care just get this out of here <laughs> yeah, you got that tall bike over there that was like uh, you know it had been hit by a car it looked like and uh, so you would you know do some welding to just do some support to try to you know repurpose it um, yeah. which is really cool and a lot of these uh, I don't know if I can't remember if I was telling you, uh, at least a men's frame in an open triangle. Um, yeah. These are going to be ads for the film festival. We're going to fill in the two triangles, I don't know, cardboard thing. Bicycle Film Festival, Milwaukee Art Museum, the date, and maybe the fire will be hanging below it. And hang them, throw them on the bike trails and uh, in windows. My friend is at a video store in River West uh, neighborhood. We're going to put them in windows of their houses if they live on busy streets, so just... That's yeah, promotion. Awesome, awesome. It's something different. It catches people's eyes when they see a bike frame as an ad or something compared to a traditional, like a billboard or just a traditional flyer. Right. So do you want to tell us uh, how, you, how uh, the space got started and why uh, why you did this? You were in New Orleans yeah. for a while, right? Well, I go on a lot of bike trips. I travel, I mean, I bike literally around the world. I mean, that's everywhere. I was in South America the past couple of months. Uh, but I biked a lot, and I see places like this, bike collectors. I remember Missoula, Montana, I had trouble with my hubs and someone helped me fix it at a bike collective in Marin County. This guy helped me out. Um, every, like, Fargo, North Dakota, there is a bike collective. Um, in Buenos Aires, the Fabriciclata I was at recently. Um, same thing. It spans, I mean, the world. Everyone ha- likes bicycles. Bicycles are ridden everywhere. Um, in New Orleans I found one place I was biking through the south and I ended up there I just love the city so there's a bike collective there I started volunteering I ended up volunteering there every day even when we weren't open I had the keys and I was just fixing stuff and very very exciting to me um, the structure changed the place and there was some drama I stopped volunteering there um, a lot of people did so I wasn't really doing much. I go to New Orleans now, but just, just kind of fucking around there. I don't have like a, a mission there, a purpose. So I thought, well, I'll go back to Milwaukee. I'll start a bike collective there. I still have friends here. My parents are here. So my roommate, one of my roommates, Dan, he decided to come with me. He liked the idea, and I found everything online. We got up here in the spring, and we were just hustling, going everywhere, checking out so many different neighborhoods. Like, where should we do this? And we're on uh, MLK. It's it's up the way here, um, just north of downtown. And was, they didn't have what I was looking for on the street, but it's like up and coming businesses. It would have been a good fit. But the guy says, he said, try the shops at Grand Avenue. They'll give you an offer you can't refuse. And I thought, bullshit. I'll never be in a. We're never gonna be in a mall downtown. And here we are. They give us an offer we can't refuse. And the rent is very cheap. It's a big. I mean, this should be like a Brooks Brothers. You know, this is a Brooks Brothers space. Big window. All the business people are walking by. Instead, there is something totally unique, and people appreciate it. Everyone does. Everyone that comes in here from a lot of tourism. I mean, there are hotels all over here. There are convention center and all this stuff. People come in, they walk around, they're like, what is this place? This is incredible, you know? Everyone thinks about the traditional business, and it's bland. A lot of times it's a stale environment um, to see something that's more, uh, has more life to it, more... Uh, like even a real bike shop, you know, you go in there and, and I mean, they're, you know, like you said, they're charging, you know, eight bucks a tube, they're charging $60 for a tune-up, and you can't even get borrow yeah. a tool. So. Yeah, you cannot borrow a tool. Uh, like I said, tune-up start at base, base, base is $50, $60, and they go up from there. Um, you can do that here so easily. I mean, it's incredible how people get ripped off. Truing a wheel, what was that, 20 25 bucks? Doing five minutes it takes for a wheel that's in serious distress. And when you learn how to do that, you can do that on your own. I mean, the tools here, um, bikes, bikes start at, new bikes start at $400. That's realistic they start off $400 and go up um, in a way it's like it dictates who should be riding a bicycle should only wealthier people do you have to have a certain amount of income to get around like that or otherwise should you just be taking the bus or walking mm. and this is a great city to bike around I mean it's it's, it's relatively flat uh, that's a big reason why I live here as well um, I can get around without a car uh, I wouldn't live in a place where I would need an automobile, you know. Right. New Orleans, you can get around real easily. Um, I liked it there, too. 
<laughs> yeah, and so it's just you know bringing people in here and, and like even right now everybody's you know working outside and they're just um, well in the other room and they're um, you know they're all just sharing information with each other and trying to you know serve as resources so you, you learn and you practice and build confidence and all that great stuff. And so. yeah, I mean, we have had so much success as far as who's been using this place. It's so diverse. Sometimes there are more women than guys here, which for any shop, the mentality is always a lot of women feel uncomfortable. I, I want this space to be comfortable for everyone. Black people come in here, white people, women, men, all ages. Our youngest volunteer is 12 or 13 years old. You know, our oldest one, <laughs> I don't know if it's Steve or Phil, I mean, they're retired. Um, but it's a big thing is anyone feeling uncomfortable and I bust someone out if they're I tell the volunteers pretend like you have mittens on you cannot do the work for them okay pretend like your hands you have no fingers you can explain to them you can be right there you can show them which tools but you don't actually do the work for them and it's it helps a lot and especially a lot of people think that some people need preferential treatment like a, a, a girl she's not going to be as strong bullshit they can, <laughs> they can do it just as well sometimes <laughs> better <laughs> and it's well received no one a lot of places uh, bike collectives have more radical ideas and they have um, like a ladies trans night uh, I'm trying not to have one I think the only reason you'd need one is if people felt uncomfortable on the other days so far, no one that I know of, no one's ever spoken up, said that they felt uncomfortable here. You know, um, the few people I had to kick out of here it was not from making someone uncomfortable. It was, you know, maybe they're trying to steal or they're just talking shit or drunk. Um, one of our volunteers, Keith, he he first came here last year. He was fucked up. And he was talking shit, being obnoxious. I was this close to throwing him out. And then he did his stuff. He left. I told me never to see him again. So I've been gone this winter, and now he starts coming around again. He's cleaned up. He's in a drug alcohol treatment. He is a totally different person. Super sweet. Like volunteers a lot and does a lot while he's here. Not just sitting around talking shit. He is breaking apart wheels, taking apart bikes, organizing things. It's uh, it's comforting to know that you know uh, <laughs> people aren't usually aren't just assholes. You know when they come in here like this, they're just fucked up. It's not who they are, really. Yeah, and it's like you you know you need to find something that you're passionate about, and you can you know, spend your time in productive ways, and you just you know it just really turns people around. Um, that's what you know, and, and I used to work a lot with Bikes Not Bombs in Boston, and you know it's a you know a similar but but much bigger organization, and and they do a lot of programs for teaching kids how to how to fix bikes, and you know gives them something to do, and and you know creates a passion in them. Yeah, gets them to know each other and all that great stuff. We, we just got a, I just got a call today from a guy who has an organization with kids like middle school age kids he wants to bring them over here to like work on bikes. And I don't really like kids. <laughs> no, kids come in, but... Uh, I'm kind of the same way. It's like I have a hard time, you know, relating but with kids, but, you know. I do, but there's some volunteers. There's one volunteer, Paul. His mom's been sick, so he's been down south of here in Racine. It's like, I don't know, 30 right. miles away, but uh, he loves helping kids. And if he was here, I'd be like, okay, great, because when kids come in, I get nervous. They're touching everything, and they're going jumping. I'm like, oh, no, relax. They can't focus on something. I get all nervous. And it's funny because they're you know they're so passionate about it, and that's why they you know that's why they have so much energy and they you know, get so involved. So yeah, I was ten times worse than any of these kids. So <laughs> I don't feel bad. I don't feel like they're bad. <laughs> you know, but so any uh, any future plans for the for the shop? Oh, there are so many plans. So Vulture Space were filed legally as the Milwaukee Community Bicycle Project. This is more than just a shop. The The idea is this is one, it's under the umbrella of MCBP. This is the, how do you get more people biking? Okay, you have a do-it-yourself shop. But what else can you do? How about making bicycling more accessible in other ways? Um, for example, Amtrak has the Hiawatha route that goes between Milwaukee and Chicago. Who takes this? Um, commuters? They come up here five days a week, you know. Um, they're working within a mile or two of the station. Um, students, Marquette University, two-thirds of the student body is from, they're from the Chicago area or suburbs. Um, and vacations, mini-tourism. People go to Chicago for a day, for a weekend. People come up here for a day, for a weekend. Quirky little Milwaukee. You know, um, the current system is you have to box your bike. It's $10 to check your bike. And if you don't have a box, it's an extra 15 And you have to be at the train station at least 45 minutes before departure. So in other words... It's not realistic for commuters, 
And if you don't have your own box, it actually costs more than your ticket. Your ticket's $22, and you have to spend $25 extra to bring your bike each way. It's incredible. Um, I've looked into the specifics of the, the, the train, how there's a back, there's not a lot of luggage because it's such a short trip. Okay, the last car is a big, empty car. It's huge. Okay, why can't you just bring the bicycles right on there, put in the hook, lean them up against each other, whatever? Why is that so difficult? So I'm fighting with the Amtrak about this. I'm telling them, this is you address your customers' needs. Like, this is what we want. You know, um, make bicycles more accessible. It's not such a big deal, but the bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, what else? Events. Okay. You should read up on this. The Milwaukee Magazine. This guy, Michael Horn, he's a historian, a bicycle, a Milwaukee historian, a bicycle historian. He knows this, actually, this strip from Wisconsin Avenue, back over, down about six blocks. This is the original strip of bicycle shops and manufacturing. Milwaukee was a world leader in manufacturing in the 1850s, 1860s, up until about turn of the century. You know, it's a, a thing with the railroads. And Chicago ended up growing faster because it's, you know, it's uh, geographically, it's lower in the, along the lake. Um, uh, Mike Horn gives this speech about, he talks about the history of bicycle in Milwaukee, and he knows uh, the public museum here, the basement, they have the rarest collection of antique bicycles in the country. And it's been in storage. They showed them once in like the 50s or 40s, and it, it was all-time record for attendance and everything. Since then, they've just been put there in deep storage to, to rust away or something. And he wants to bring these out, uh, and a lot of his um, bicycle enthusiasts. Um, the Wheelmen, that's a nonprofit um, or national organization. They, they are all about preserving antique bicycles, the history, the culture, everything. Um, I met with them. They want to see these bikes on display. Everyone does. It's almost like outrage, and the, the public museum is very resistant. So I'm planning an event for Bike to Work Week um, with the wheelmen. Um, they're going to display their bikes. You can rent out areas of the museum, okay? It's totally legit. Um, the wheelmen are going to show off their antique bikes, the penny farthings, the original safety bikes and all this. Um, Scott, this guy, he, he owns South Shore Cycler. He has a bunch of old bikes, relatively newer from the 30s up to the 60s, like balloon tire bikes. That's just kind of more his thing. And they're incredible, he has. Um, and Michael Horn is going to give that talk at the public museum. It's going to be like, I think, a huge, huge hit. It's going to be free to the public. I hope hundreds of people show up and the museum sees. Uh, they have to acknowledge there is a demand for, to view antique bikes. This one day, hundreds of people are coming here. I'm going to try to get Milwaukee Public Television to record it live because it's historically significant, especially to Milwaukee, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, there are a million other ideas. Uh, we're bringing this bicycle film festival to Milwaukee. It's going to be a big fundraiser for the year. And that I want to hit a diverse audience. What I like about that film festival, it's not just like the messengers of the hipster culture uh, fixed gear it's not just BMX not just bike touring it's everything all these these short films uh, hit on a different aspect of bicycling and everyone in the world can relate to bicycling in, in some respect whether you know some old timers people come in or middle age they come in and say oh I rode a bike once when I was a kid but they, everyone has fond memories of riding a bike and that's kind of the, the bond I see so hopefully we get a lot of people to that and we have a, a bicycle fashion show coming up. Uh, an old roommate, Mo, she has a, a clothing line, Howl Pop, where she, she takes pretty much clothes that are given to her. She finds in the in the bins, you know, in, in like Goodwill and stuff for, for pennies. And she upcycles it in this kind of DIY punk style. Uh, she was in Hot Springs now, so all the cycling clothes that we uh, received that were donated, I just mailed to her. She's going to upcycle them into some funky, crazy stuff, and she's going to come up here and bike to work week and have like a, a fashion show and show all that stuff off. It'll all be for sale, and it's, her prices are incredibly affordable. I mean, like, outrageously. So, I mean, she just wants people to have her style, you know. And then people have uh, also make, she'll be working in conjunction with other artists, um, clothing designers, jewelry makers. You know, Maria, one of our volunteers, she's making inner tube earrings and things like that. She weaves them kind of intricately. And, uh, and, you know. um, oh, also, outside of the shop, we set up a mobile bike repair area um, with different events that go on. There's this urban island beach party every year. We do the bike valet. 
everyone gets a if you bike there, everyone you get a drink ticket, and we bring. We have our uh, some tools. We have our goofy bikes, because everyone loves seeing the tall bikes, the monkey bike, the swing bike, and all that. People like to ride it. We also have a a, um, a repair stand. So when people are parking or leaving, we say, you know, you want to look at your bike. You have any issues? We address it. We give people a little like mini tune-ups and inform them about the shop. But again, we try to show them this is how you do it. Now go for it. And we want them to do it themselves. Awesome. And and Milwaukee, uh, I just went to an event last night, and they're trying to get, um, there's a group of people trying to get a bike share program going. Uh, I don't know if it's actually going to happen this summer, but Barry, um, it, I, if it did, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, well, okay, I was in, I was on a bike trip. I was in Paris when the Velib uh, system began. I was a little confused at first. I understand. I've seen these around the world in Santiago, in Buenos Aires, this past, uh, last month or two. Um but they're different every place. This one, he's trying to raise $1.5 million to have, mm-hmm. I think, 25 kiosks. Uh, I, I did the math. It was roughly like $24,000 a bike or something. Um, the problem is, I like the idea, but it's so expensive. Why does it have to cost so much? Why does it have to be electronic? What I liked about the Santiago and Buenos Aires ones, there are kiosks around town, but each kiosk has a person. You're actually employing someone to sit there why can't you? For all that much money, this person is receiving the bikes, uh, lending the bikes out to the people, and he's maintaining them. You know, uh, but it's employing someone. All this computer automated stuff. It's right. why does it have to be so high tech and expensive? Can't you just throw the Kia? Just it's just a little stand where you have bikes on a, on hooks, and someone's hanging out there fixing them up and waiting to rent them out. I like that idea better. I mean. Some small communities, and um, I know there's a, a community called Bozeman, Montana, that I heard about this doing this, and some places in California that um, just basically small towns that have like maybe 20 or 30 bikes that is just like one location, and uh, you know towns yeah. where you can basically walk everywhere, and yeah, yeah. and there's so they have a bike, and you can you can take it. You can take it outside of the downtown, whatever, but for like a couple hours, and you just have to bring it back to that one place. Yeah, I think I saw that Marfa, Texas, they're yeah, trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah but I, just the idea that it, it seems like the startup expense is obscenely high. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to, you know, you have to shuffle around the bikes, and they have to have like a whole maintenance area. They have to have a pickup truck to move the bikes and stuff. It's, it's a lot involved. Seems crazy to me, but you, you know, could, if it gets more people biking, great. <laughs> <laughs> you can start up something like that over here, you know, in the vulture space, and just have the, you know, see if you, you know, get old donated bikes, and then you can just. Well, we're gonna start uh, renting bikes. Uh, it oh, changes cool. the insurance. I have to look into it. Last summer, almost every day, people come here asking if we rent bikes because the hotels are all here across the street. There's a hotel, a big one, <laughs> um, and we were doing it on the sly a little bit. We don't have the insurance. It wasn't. Eh. Um, it was just a success. It worked out well. But this year, I want to do it legit and get the insurance for it. Um, you know, I offer everyone a helmet, a lock, a bike map. And I just tell them, go nuts. You know, like, I don't take any deposit. I don't even tell them they can pay when they're done with it. And uh, we have not had any problems. In fact, one guy, he liked the bike so much he bought it. It's a classic Schwinn. And he lives in Los Angeles. He said he'd pay for the shipping. Um, the day he left, you know, we agreed to it. Someone came in here and said he's driving to Los Angeles. So I asked him, can you take this bike to this guy? And sure enough, they, they met up, and the guy was so happy. He gave me a bottle of wine, and he sent a picture of the bike in front of his house, and he just has these good memories. <laughs> awesome. And, yeah, you know, people, people it, it really you know, changes, changes you know, for the better. So it's oh, that's awesome. And for future plans, I have another idea. This one just kind of, I mean, it'll probably never happen. This is like a big thing for me. Uh, Thinking there's a bicycle pedestrian coordinator for Milwaukee, and there's there's a new person who's just hired. I want to work with her. Milwaukee is the hub; it's the epicenter of the city. What if? Okay, so Milwaukee peaked, I think maybe in the early '80s or the '70s, I think, in population, and it hasn't really been growing too much since. Um, there's a white flight, you know, race rights and all this. Downtown has wide streets, okay, to accommodate much heavier traffic than there really is. The freeways are jam-packed, whatever. I don't care. I never go on the freeways. That's not even allowed except the home bridge. Oh, man, when you're here, you should bike over the home bridge. It's not legal. It's super, super fun. Um, <laughs> I'll think of that a try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you have a great view of the city. Uh, anyway, I think that they should turn the downtown into the most bicycle-friendly 
area in the country. I mean, I'm not talking about just painting lanes. I'm talking about separate bike lanes. You know, I mean, I see these around the world, even these boxes where the um, cyclists can stop at the light in front of the cars and they actually can take off. Um, they can, st- how do you say this, proceed. You can advance to Yeah, you know, it's, it's safer. Time you get out of the, um, of mm-hmm. the way of traffic. Yeah. Um, they should start with downtown because you can imagine like the media buzz and everything. People from these small towns in Wisconsin, even on a regional national over here, about um, how bicycle-friendly Milwaukee is. And we start the downtown and all the people who come in from the suburbs who are working here and they see it, maybe they start to feel more comfortable or start to think about biking to work. Then they start biking maybe to the grocery store or to the movies or something, okay? And it grows out from there. It also brings people back to the downtown, a more sustainable life. They're not living out in New Berlin or Mequon. These are suburbs, you know. Um, they'll say, wow, Milwaukee, like this downtown, it's pretty nice. It's very bicycle-friendly. So I would say put, I think people, um, the bike fed like to work with. Have you talked to the bike fed? Yes. Oh, cool. We have, uh, we have a segment with them coming up uh, either before or after this. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, okay. Neither. <laughs> they're all real cool there. Yeah. But I like to work with them, this city um, pedestrian and uh, bicycling coordinator. I mean, there's so much space here. I noticed that's what the thing is that there's not a lot of traffic and there's like these really wide streets and it's, uh, yes. it's like not just, you know, not just like separated bike facilities, but you could put, you know, parks and everything. In on yeah. It, and these, I have never really been all for like um, these separate bike lanes, even like, you know, painted because I feel like for me, I know I can bike in the street, but it does give people a sense of security. Even if it's a false sense of security, it gets more people biking. They think, well, if there's a lane, I can bike here. You know, originally, these streets are not made for, for cars. You know, they're right. carriages, they're bicycles. <laughs> the cars follow. So it's like, who are you catering to? You know, it's a push yeah. or pull. And it's not, I mean, even, you know, with the volumes, with what I'm seeing over here, I mean, you can even just like turn entire streets over to just bike, just ridiculously wide bike paths and parks. And, like, you yeah. don't even need hefty streets over here. Mm-hmm. And, and some uh, streets where there are, where people would like to walk like have you been up to Brady Street yes okay there's a lot of shops and stuff on the weekends it should it shouldn't even be open for, for cars you know people should be comfortable shouldn't have to worry about people have been killed crossing the street over there uh, I know Gloriosa's an Italian restaurant one of the owner's wives uh, his wife was killed um, it's a serious thing you know yeah. <laughs> So I think that it should just be open. Uh, I know they do that in, in Mexico, in Dejefe, in the, the central street every Sunday, I think, between like 10 and 2, I don't know, I, everything. It just closes. I know in, in Colombia and Bogota, they do the same thing, I believe. Yeah, and it's stuff like that's going to happen because I mean we're you know we're going to run out of oil whether people like it or not. It's going to keep getting expensive first, and and uh, you know p- p- cities are going to be making changes because people are going to be demanding it as more and more people get on bikes and and uh, you know start walking and using the bus and they're going to start demanding these things. And yeah, but unfortunately, Milwaukee is, seems to be just lacking, just lagging behind other cities. I mean, it took yeah. a couple years to get bike racks on buses. That was like a war to get there. And there's all this federal funding. It ended up costing the city almost nothing. And it was such a fight for it. And it's like years behind these cities that people look up to. People look up to Seattle. They look up to Portland, Minneapolis, New York. They're, they're, why are they so much more progressive? Don't, don't uh, the people who, who make these decisions, don't they realize? They open their eyes like, well, how do we bring more people here? You know? Yeah, I think it's because people demanded it. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult now to get stuff like this, but I mean, when highways were put in, like, that was a big national priority, and, and you know, when, when people start demanding this stuff, it's it'll just start happening a lot faster. I That's what I think. Yes. So, that's cool. Well, <laughs> and uh, everybody would ride bicycle. That's, that's what I it's what I hope for the future. It's my sick dream. <laughs> I also think It'll about happen. not just for vulture space here, but there's another bike collective up on uh, up on Clybourne. I don't know if you're familiar with it, the Milwaukee Bike Collective. Um, in my sick head, there should be a bike collective in every neighborhood. You know, not just one or two in a big city. Where do you think you're going? Absolutely. Hey there, buddy. Okay. How you doing? What are you do he, wants to be, he wants to be on the podcast. What do you got to say for the podcast? Anything? No. No, he's just staring at the microphone. Gee, okay. He knows he's going to be kicked if he does. <laughs> 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 Where's your bicycle? Because <laughs> he, he has bike tour with Jihad in his backpack. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> As you can see, he's quite the bike fashionista. Nice. Now you have a your leash is a uh, is a, a used bike tire, which is awesome. So and his collar. 
Oh yes, it's, it's a bike chain. Uh-huh. Excellent. It doesn't rust because his fur is so oily all the time. And if you're interested, this dude, he does a lot for the biking community. Uh, he does a website, MKEBKE. Yes, I've seen that. That's pretty awesome. Oh, okay. yeah. He, yeah. Um, so these are the events that... This is the printmaking events thing. And he has, right. Oh, did he put that on there? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the so monthly group bike ride. I'm gonna, it looks like I'm going to miss that. Oh, yeah. He, he heads that. And there's this underwear bike ride he puts on, which has grown like, really big. He gets sponsors now. And there's after parties with wow. bands and... Pabst or Blue Moon or someone. Now, how is the how is this different from the this is different from the naked bike ride and that you have to well, this wear clothing, one, right? He, he just started it uh, like on his birthday a couple of years ago, just uh-huh. for goofy <laughs> stuff. <and> people <laughs> start doing it every month. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> says it's to whatever. Some people will take all their underwear. I don't know. But, uh, this is goofy and different and uh, yeah, interesting. You know, body awareness. Just like you feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's important. That's important to you know a lot of people. So. That's that's good, yeah. How long are you gonna stick around Milwaukee for? Um, probably just this weekend, and then oh, cool. I'm heading up. Well, I got here Monday. Wait, hold on. You hang out in Chicago for a month and only a couple days <laughs> in Milwaukee. Yes, he says that as he throws down the hub. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I I was uh, li- sort of living there for a month. Drove a pedicab for a little while, and uh, yeah. you know, just had some fun. It was cold, but you know, it doesn't stop you from getting out and riding. Yeah. And uh, I took a lot of transit. So. <laughs> the L and all that. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's cool because it's, it's L elevated, so you know you can, as opposed to New York and Boston, you know you can see everything that you're passing, and you yeah. get you really feel like you're being part of the city as you instead you know as you're just like kind of driving through it. And of course, you know biking along the lake and um, just through the neighborhoods. Biking is the best way to see a neighborhood. So. I think so. I was in Chicago for a month and then I just did train bike bus up here, up to here and then I'm going to be going to Madison and Minneapolis if it's warm enough I'll ride up to Minneapolis <laughs> it's but a long you stick around we'll see you know <laughs> supposed to go to Madison next week and then by the time I get I get going to Minneapolis it's supposed to be in the 50s so that's really? nice I had to get going I mean I know it's the middle of, I know it's cold but everybody says why are you come now and I was like well you know I gotta move I think it takes like about one week if you ride the bike from here to Plus, okay. Usually when I go, it takes one week. Like, right. I get to Madison, like a big day, because it takes like it's about 80, 90 miles biking. Mm-hmm. And then that's halfway across the state, and then you go straight west, you hit the Mississippi. And then, you know, it's day two, you'll be real tired, then you go right up the Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, I'm. I'm not even really that into riding between cities you know most most bicyclists just love you know riding out in the country and stuff and yeah. I, to be honest I'm not even really that into that I like I like riding around the cities that's my thing so I like both <laughs> so I get the folding bike I just fold it up I can take it on the bus and you know just yeah. you know an hour or two I'm in the next city big deal so I zone out so where are you staying here so now I'm staying up um, at North and Humboldt and near River West uh-huh. um, yeah it's Humble. Yeah. Sitting at that gas station. Well, hey, you know, I, I, there probably have been bike tourists that have slept at gas stations over the years. I, I have. Why? Yeah. Yeah. In <laughs> Turkey, yeah, because they, they have a prayer room adjoining. You just like went on a, a long ride one day and decided this is awesome. And uh, well, you know, at one time I had three cars. I was biking to work a little bit. Maybe like five miles, and I started biking every day. You know, I liked it. I started going farther and farther. I had a mountain bike, like that, like trek mountain with the suspension, and and then once I went on a really long bike ride, my my mom had to pick me up. My legs like forty miles. Oh, oh, my legs <laughs> <laughs> and my hands too. So I got biking goes, and then I bought a road bike. Oh my goodness, that changed it for me. <laughs> that was it, and I. That's all you needed. Just started going farther and farther, and then I was. Fishing with school, I was managing a shoe store, and this guy I was ringing him up, this middle-aged guy. He saw my bike in the back room. He's like, "How's oh, that your bike?" Like, yeah. He said, "Oh, I, that one's biked across the U.S. But back when I was your age, when he laughed, I was thinking like, bullshit. You did not bike across." The US. <laughs> and I looked up. I was looking on the internet. People do this. So I just decided I was finishing with school. I was sick of that job, and I was living with this girl, working along. So I ended the lease on the place. Um, and I, yeah, I went out to the West Coast, and I was going to bike back from Seattle here. But I ended up continuing. I went all the way to Maine. And then when I got back, I just was, like, hooked. So I went down and biked down. And then I, went, I followed the Tour de France. So I biked around the U.K. first, and I biked the Tour de France in Belgium, France. And then I went to Baja Peninsula, biked down through there. 
And you'll probably meet in, uh, one of the guys I biked with, Jason Tansman. He's he's bigger than Minnesota, Minneapolis bike scene. I think he runs like a Sibley's or the Hub or something. And mm-hmm. I haven't talked in a long time. Yeah. And I biked in the Himalayas and you know, Alaska, Turkey, Greece. Uh, this guy and I became very good friends bike touring. We met cycling. He minimalist. He had like an 80s 10 speed, like this bike. You know, like 10 speed is called General. Right. And he had a duffel bag. Like, you know, you go to the gym and carry a duffel bag. That was it. He was biking for months at a time. And he would balance it on his handlebars right here. And he'd bike kind of like this because it would come like this. Right here, just slouch at. That's yes. how you bike. And then finally, he oh. came to visit me after two years later. He has no phone. He has no email. He just he has my phone number once a year. Half the year he calls me. Yeah, he's doing something different. Anyways, <laughs> he came to visit New Orleans. He was showing Plan B the shop, and I had the perfect solution. We had those triathlon. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, the, the things where you on. lean on your elbows. Yeah. Yes, I said put these on your bike. You can, and now he rests his. Uh, Wait, oh, he can oh. bust the stuff on that. He's awesome. to like balance it. And it doesn't hit the wheel, I guess. It's like just, it's just high enough, I guess, that it doesn't hit the wheel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you use what you got and you just make it work. At this point, somebody comes into the shop and starts uh, talking about Lance Armstrong, and uh, we're all standing around going, uh, WTF. The, the National Public Radio, or like the local one, you know, it's called. The- WWE on their, their offices across the street. So you got the, they came in here. And you should listen to If you go on the web, the facebook.com backslash vulture space, you can, you can listen to a five-minute segment. They interview me about this. And Lance Armstrong. And they're like, <laughs> you know, ask me, do you ever, you know, starting the shop, do you ever, like, what do you think? Do you ever think about Lance Armstrong? I said, I never once <laughs> thought about Lance Armstrong. <laughs> I right? do not. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about, like, the people that have racks on their bikes and like, are they going to the grocery store with their bikes? Yeah, <laughs> right. Know, I know. There's finger and their time was. Armstrong, what? <laughs> it's like when you, yeah. If you're ever like, I mean, I've had this happen to me a couple times when I was touring. You know, somebody would, somebody you know, drive by in their SUV and they're like, oh, Lance over there, and it's like, yeah, you <laughs> really. You have something. Toys <laughs> at Johnny's. This is his bike shop. Oh yeah, in Austin, Texas. I don't know Texas. where that came from, but. I've been in Austin, Texas. It's a cool bike shop. I too. checked it out too on uh-huh. bike shop. Yeah. There's some really neat bikes on the wall. Or yeah. Wow, really cool. They got a really cool space too, and they do bike parking as well. And the showers and stuff. Yeah. I'm hoping so. if we get this grant, this Wisconsin Environmental Education Grant, all these classes, and I already have it all written out, structured. That the basic class is changing your flat and cleaning your drivetrain. So yeah. fucking basic. So the most important thing you have to do with your bike. Aside from riding it, you know. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that's just to keep it in good condition. Is yeah. You've got to do those things, and it'll last you forever. There's that. Then there's an intermediate one, which is adjusting brakes and derailers. Uh, I think that was it. And then the advanced one was uh, truing a wheel and opening up bearings, cleaning it, and repacking it, putting it together, whether it's in the hubs or the bottom back of the headset. I mean, it's really essentially all the same. You know, bearing the balls are bigger in the uh, bottom bracket than they are in the headset or something. But it's uh-huh. by taking one wheel off, you see this is a cone. Most people have never seen that before on a bike. <laughs> you know, and then there's a lock ring. Maybe there's a spacer and showing people and also showing them that this is is only used for <laughs> cone wrenches. Don't use yes. them. Take pedals on and off. Cone wrench is not the pedal wrench. <laughs> Surprisingly. With all the tools free and all the people that have come in here, incredible amount of people. We have been open. Seven is the earliest we close. In the summer, we're open until 9, 10, 11, 12. We open until 6 in the morning sometimes. I fucking swear it's insane. It's someone will bring some beer over. People are smoking. They're having a nice time. The security, we have security from the mall. They come by once an hour, make sure the door's locked if we're closed or something. <laughs> and they're all kind of looking like, damn. Um, but we've had hardly anything stolen almost nothing almost all the tools have stayed here I thought someone stole the chain breaker and the chain breaker it's expensive that's like 20 bucks cost I was yeah. pissed about it months later four months later I've been gone for three months it happened a month before I left I'm cleaning up restarting uh, uh, moving bikes around I don't know where it was hanging precariously on this Schwinn bike it fell down <laughs> I couldn't believe it a 9mm wrench just went missing yesterday and I think I know who took it. I think he did. I know he did by accident. He's 
I know who he is. And that kind of stuff happens. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, as long as you're honest about it, we're going to bring it back. People have come back. Not yeah. one code wrench has been stolen. Nothing. I mean, almost nothing. It's yeah. incredible. But it's awesome because it's, 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 it's empowering, and it's like when you give people the trust, and you show them that you respect them, and, yeah. you know, then they, they respect the, the shop and everything else. So it's, yeah. I mean, other places have had similar experiences, I think, where, where it's, you know, you... Everybody says, "Oh, this stuff's going to get stolen." You know, people are going to destroy mm. it. Whatever. You know, people are not going to respect the stuff. They, it's like they they totally assume it. True. They're they're thinking that but they don't know. Yeah. And um, some places that get Plan B in New Orleans, you take someone's ID, and they get that set of tools, and they are accountable for it. I've not once taken an ID for any. I don't feel borrow tools and leave for it. They come back and need a pedal wrench. Just, you know, go, it's fine. Ideally, I'd like this place to be open 24 hours. Well, <laughs> nice sick to you. You know, most bike collectors, I'm sure you've seen, they're open three days a week, four hour shifts, something like that, you know. Yeah. Well, because people so, staff them, you know. Yeah. That's You're just the, here all the time. You just never go anywhere, basically. Yeah. Right? Well, I leave, but when I leave, I go for months at a time. Right. So, what happened? I mean, there's other people that are here now, like they just um, stick around. There are a couple core volunteers, you know, like OD right here, Maria. Um, Dan, uh, this guy Misha, Dave Casillas, who's just here. They, but a lot of them is like Casillas. He travels around a lot, you know. Um, so just somebody's always here and just kind of keeping it going. The, the hardest problem I have is with staffing, with, with getting people here and like committing. You know, I tell people now we have this calendar on the wall over there. I tell them just write down where you, when you're gonna be here, when you can commit. Big thanks to Evan for joining me and sharing all that exciting info. Uh, I was really happy to do it, happy to go there and see the shop and see all the great stuff that's going on. You should support their work. Uh, find them at vulturespace.org and uh, go there and uh, make a donation. Uh, you can become a member and you get great discounts on you know, local businesses. And um, you, know, you, can, you can donate not just money, but um, parts, accessories, tools. If you become a member... It comes with not only discounts to businesses, but also uh, the Bike Film Fest in May. So um, that's a great thing. And uh, support this great community resource because uh, they have a lot of great work that's going on. And it's all volunteers. And uh, they're looking at bringing in a rental program and doing more stuff to, to bring in money. But a lot of that requires staff time and, and effort. So um, anything that you can do to help them. Evan has lots and lots of great stories, as do the other people who work there. So go and find out more at vulturespace.org. I have moved on, and I passed through Madison. There's more, a uh, bunch of uh, stuff coming on that. There will be two interviews coming from Madison, as well as a bunch of blog posts. Uh, one is already up. And and then Lacrosse. I'm in Lacrosse, Wisconsin, uh, as I get ready to upload this episode and then i'm moving on north along the mississippi river so lots of great stuff to talk about including uh, even some rural transit so uh stay tuned for all that you can find out more about the show and about my work and support the show if you find it useful to you at criticaltransit.com follow me on facebook and twitter at critical transit and uh you know get in touch feedback at critical transit i'd love to hear from you and uh i'm always looking to hear from from listeners and find out uh, how people are getting around their areas and what suggestions and ideas you have for topics, guests, places I should go and see, all that sort of great stuff. So uh, get in touch, feedback at criticaltransit.com, or you can find the contact form on the, on the website by clicking on contact. And I believe I addressed most of the issues with the site taking forever to load, so if you still have problems with it, please let me know and I will uh, do my best to address that. And thank you for your patience with all that nonsense. Real quick here before I wrap up, I received an email from Christy from Raleigh. Uh, she says she's a North, uh, Wisconsinite living in North Carolina and general bicycling advocate. So thanks for the email, Christy. And uh, she says, I was listening to your podcast where you described how much more lively and active Madison is compared to the streets of Milwaukee. And uh, she seems to agree here. Uh, she says that Milwaukee certainly knows how to stay up late, so perhaps that is part of the reason. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, To be honest, I wasn't up all that late just because, you know, when you travel, you always have to get up early in the morning. But I don't know. What do you think? Have you been to Wisconsin? Any experience to share? Send it my way. Feedback at criticaltransit.com.
and uh, I hope that I get to rally sometime either uh, later this year or probably next year. Uh, so many places, so little time. I have another email here from a listener, and um, I don't know where this listener is from, and uh, but I will get to this email in the next show when I or the next show that I do on transit because it's very transit focused. Uh, a big issue on my blog and elsewhere lately has been the privatization of transit, and I, based on my experience here in in the U.S., I have come out very strongly against privatizing public transit. And I think it's a usually a bad idea, and uh, it doesn't really lead to anything good. It's promoted in order to save costs, but the only way you do that is by either paying people less or cutting the quality of service uh, or the service itself. So, you know, I generally don't like it, but um, there are a number of private transit models in parts of Asia that I'm really not familiar with, so I, I maybe shouldn't dismiss it so readily. Um, so this email touches on that, uh, actually goes in goes in quite in-depth in uh, privatization, asks for some of my thoughts, so uh, I'm going to digest this, and uh, we'll get to that in the, in the next show, so stay tuned, about to be a, a very exciting one. Uh, that show is going to be my interview with Madison Metro Transit, uh, marketing manager Mick Rush, and he and I sat down for about a half an hour, um, we had a very nice conversation, and he talked about some of the challenges in operating a transit system in uh, in a medium-sized city, um, some of the problems that apply to the largest operators like Chicago and New York don't quite fit in to Madison, but they have their own issues, and like most transit agencies, they are surging, so um, stay tuned for that, uh, it's going to be a very exciting show, and then coming up after that is my interview with Claire Hurley, who is the Madison City Manager of Madison B-Cycle, which is the bike-sharing program in Madison, Wisconsin. And I had a great time doing that, and I actually did a tour of the system. And my recordings from that tour are either going to be in uh, in that same show as that interview or uh, possibly a, a follow-up to that, maybe like part two of the Madison B-Cycle. Um, so very excited for those coming up. So... Stay tuned, and those should both be out in the, in the next week. Um, trying to get the shows out soon so I can catch up. And like I said, I'm not going to be releasing shows any particular day. and They're not even really going to be all that regular, but I'm just going to aim to do it at least once a week. And, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy the shows whenever they come out. So uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Go to criticaltransit.com. Follow me on Twitter at, and Facebook at Critical Transit. I just uh, reached 200 followers on Twitter, so that's very exciting. And uh, so, yeah, check that out. I got a post about rural transit and uh, some other very exciting things over there. So, in, in the blog, we talk about um, Madison as a bike friendly city and what that means. Stay tuned and thank you for listening, and I will talk to you uh, in the next show.